chosen as its theme for 2023 Mental Illness Awareness Week, quote, together we care, together we share. Together we care, together we share. Here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church, I have connected this theme to the passage from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, where the Apostle Paul writes, bear one another's burdens. As we focus on mental health awareness this month, perhaps there is no more important time than the present to say, it's okay not to be okay, to talk about our struggles. Together we care, together we share. We bear one another's burdens. To help us with that this week, we're going to look at the life of Moses, a part of a chapter of the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. Moses was exhausted, overwhelmed, and he needed help. Verse 18 gives us a snapshot. It's our key verse where his father-in-law Jethro said to Moses, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Emphasis added. You cannot handle it alone. Hence, Moses, you need good people around you who can help you shoulder the burden. We look at how Moses reached out and received help in his time of need. His story provides a framework for us to use in our struggle today. His story reminds us that it's okay to admit that we need help, to seek help, and to receive help. As a church, we hope to cultivate an environment where people can feel safe and be able to share their needs without judgment or shame, to come and be able to talk about mental illness without being judged or stigmatized. Last Sunday, we shared a few statistics, and here are a few more that are important for us to know. According to a study conducted by Harvard Medical School, 26% of adults in the United States have an anxiety, mood, impulse control, or substance disorder in a given year. That's one in four adults in the United States. 22% of those were classified as serious, 37% as moderate, and 40% as mild. That's one in four. Imagine if and we won't, but imagine if we asked one in four people to stand up in this room, what that would look like, how many people it would be. And some would say, well, mine is mild. Others might say it's more moderate, and others would say severe. One in four. Our congregation is reflective of the world outside of us. We come from all walks of life. And we can be assured that those numbers are probably accurate within Huguenot Road as well. I know from my own personal experience, I'm thankful that 
when I've had struggles with anxiety and depression, that I've been able to seek out good counselors. And I continue to this day to do some pastoral counseling and have a, a regular visit with, with my counselor. It's very, very helpful. Over the years when my dad, he passed away three years ago of COVID, but there were days when he was struggling with depression that was so deep that he, he didn't even want to get up. Sometimes he wouldn't get out of bed until 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And sometimes I would call, and you could hear it in his voice when he, when he would say, Bob, it's just not a good time to call you. I understand that. I forgive you. I'll call later. We all, in one way or another, either have experienced it or know somebody who has. And it's important for us to be able to talk about it in church. Someone may be afraid or embarrassed to say anything to you about mental illness. And we want to open the conversation and enable people to talk and to say they need help. We want people to have permission to talk about mental illness just as if it were a broken bone, the flu, or going through cancer treatment. Looking at the story of Moses, if you, re if you read up to chapter 18, you'll remember that God chose him to be the appointed leader to guide the people with God's help out of Egyptian slavery. God parted the Red Sea, the waters of the Red Sea, and Moses led the Israelites through onto dry ground to the other side. And when the, once they were in the wilderness, Moses started to experience all kinds of struggles. There was no water for the people, and they complained. Then the water was bitter, and they complained. They were grumbling, and then more grumbling. As you read through the chronicled story, more grumbling. And then chapter 16, verse 3, there were people who wanted to go back to Egypt. Things were so much better there. Even though we were enslaved, they thought, well, the food was so much better than this stuff here. And it was almost as if a back-to-Egypt committee was formed. More grumbling. God sent manna and quail that they would have food to eat. And that wasn't good enough. Chapter 17, more quarreling. And then they were ready to stone Moses to death. By this point, he was exhausted. He was emotionally depleted. He needed help. And whether his situation is what we would call or be diagnosed as mental illness today, the Bible doesn't say. We're not sure exactly. But we know that he was exhausted. He was desperate. He needed help. He couldn't bear the burden alone. And God sent him help. And the framework in this story is, I believe, something that we can apply to our lives, especially those of us who might be experiencing some type of mental illness. Here's the backstory. All of these people needed guidance. Somebody had to make decisions. There were many conflicts, and Moses was trying to handle all of the disputes 
by himself. Finally, he sent word to his father-in-law, Jethro. And Jethro got the word and came. And in observing, in listening to Moses and observing what was happening, Jethro said, Moses, what are you doing? You can't keep doing all of this yourself. You'll wear yourself out. You need help. And Jethro began to provide a mechanism for Moses to be able to climb out of the difficulties that he was experiencing. And so I want us to look now at the scripture and we'll make some application points as we walk through. You can jot these down in your bulletin. There's space for that if you'd like. But we're looking first at how we can learn from Moses. And then second, we'll look at how we can learn from Jethro, his father-in-law. First, learning from Moses. Look at verse 1 of chapter 18. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. He had heard the news, but Moses had sent word to him. And you'll see that in the next verse. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law received her and her two sons. So Moses sent word with his wife to say, could you talk to your dad for me and tell him to come because I need help. I can't do this anymore on my own. So she and her sons went, shared the news with her father, and then Jethro returned. And then verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses asked for help. That's the first note to, to take. He asked for help. He reached out. Y'all, when we're struggling, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, I, I can't do this on my own anymore. Can you help me get connected to a counselor? Or can you help me just, just listen to what's going, going on? Moses asked for help. And then I love what happens next in verses 7 and 8. Moses talked it out. Dude, there's great help when we are able to just verbalize what's on our mind and heart. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. In verse 8, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. So Moses is talking it out, and Jethro is just listening. He's sitting there with him in this space of this tent, and he's listening. And he's not giving a bunch of answers at this point. He's, he's letting Moses talk it out. And y'all, that is so important for us. And we in our modern culture today often are quick to want to interject and say something. But Jethro just paused and let Moses 
talk it out. My counselor, when I go see him, one of the first things that he'll say is, tell me what's going on. Tell me how your emotions are today. And he'll give me space to talk about it. Moses had that with Caleb. And then fast forward to verse 24 in the text, kind of the end of the story. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Moses took some steps to get help. So he asked for help. He talked it out. And then after a while, he took some steps. Even if it's just one step toward healing, one step toward making that appointment, or one step just to talk it out with somebody you trust, take steps toward healing. Now, how can we learn from Jethro in this story? We'll pick it up there at verse 9. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel and rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. And in the, in the verses that follow, verses 10 through 12, you'll see that Jethro actually was so moved by all the uh, positive and helpful things God had done, the miracles God had performed, that he worshipped. And those verses express how Jethro worshipped the God of Moses. But verse 9 helps us to know that Jethro, he listened and he understood. He got what Moses was saying. I get you. I'm here to help. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help. And then in verse 14, he saw Moses. He validated what Moses was experiencing. He didn't judge him. He didn't criticize him. He didn't say, you know, Moses, if you would have just done this or that or the other, things may have been better. He withheld judgment. He saw Moses, validated him as a human being. It's important for us to see one another, that we are seen and heard, seen and heard, valued. We matter, and we might be more willing to share what's going on inside of our mind and heart. Verse 14, when, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, then he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all the people stand around you from morning to evening? So he's starting to ask some probing questions. Help me understand, Moses, what's going on? Why, why is this? Why is that? And maybe I can offer some help, but I want to understand your situation first. And only after that, verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, Moses, what you're doing is not good. Notice he did not say, Moses, you're not good. There's a clear differential. He said, Moses, what you're doing is not good, meaning Moses... What you're, you're trying to accomplish here is not helpful to you or to the people. You're only going to burn out, and it's, it's not going to get any better. 
verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it on your own. And only at that point does Jethro offer some help. I don't think this happened in a 30-minute conversation in the temple. I think this occurred over a period of, of conversation. There were some likely some meals that happened in the middle of it all at the table. But then in verse 19, you see how Jethro comes and offers him some help. Here's what he says. Moses, listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice. And may God be with you. So this wasn't just humanly advice. This was may God be with you in the middle of it all. And then he says, you must be the people's representatives before God and bring their disputes to him. That was Moses' responsibility. Teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them the way they're to live and how they're to behave. But select capable men. And back then it it was a group of men selected. That's how it was at this time. Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God. Trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. Do you hear delegating? Do you hear giving away some things? Share the burden with others, Moses so that you can focus on what's most critical, what God wants you to do, and then bring others in alongside you to share the burden. And then this is what Jethro says at verse 22, the second part. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain And all these people will go home satisfied. And then verse 24, which we read a little earlier. Then Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he was told. So Jethro offered help, and Moses took him up on it. And things were better. Was it perfect? Not at all. But were they better? Yes. Moses was able to continue along his leadership journey and to be judge among the people and eventually would guide the people in following God's commands and help to prepare them for the promised land. And here's the third application for us today. The first, learn from Moses. Second, learn from Jethro. And the third, when appropriate, hug Hug. When I arrived at Huguenot Road Baptist Church eight and a half years ago, one of the first things I learned, they said, Pastor Bob, this is a hugging church. Choir, can I get an amen? Amen. This is a hugging church. Many faithful members like Sue Hurley. Are you in the room? Yes. Martha Parker. I can't list all the others. There's too many. But I remember, y'all, quick to help me know that this was a hugging church. And 
that the first three letters in the name of our church are hug. You ever thought about that? The first three letters in Huguenot are H-U-G. And the next letter is U. We said, Pastor Bob, we're going to hug you. We're a hugging church. Yes, the church was originally named for its location, Huguenot Road, and the road named for the many French Huguenots who fled religious persecution in Europe and settled here in the late 17th century and throughout the 18th century. But we'd rather be known for our hugs. There's an acronym for it. Human Understanding Gesture. Write that down. Human Understanding Gesture. Now, the young people will say, no, Pastor Bob, that means here you go, in text language, and it does. But for us, human understanding gesture. Betty and Bob Gabriel are Baptist missionaries who serve in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And God opened a ministry that they never thought of. They were serving in a local church there. And they began to greet street children. These are children who are living under bridges and overpasses, living in shanties, uh, cardboard, corrugated cardboard and corrugated metal uh, shanties. And they began to uh, do everything they could to pour their lives into the street children. And they actually, through being able to communicate in their language, did, they actually did a survey, Bob and Betty did, and asked the children what they wanted the most. And they were thinking it would be clothing, shoes, food, water, and all of those things are very important. But do you know what their answer was? We want a hug. That's what they wanted the most. The Middle English word hug has its origins in the Old Norse hugga, which means to comfort or console. Over time, the word hug evolved in both form and meaning, but at its core, it refers to an affectionate embrace of a warm and close gesture, that, and it, this has remained constant. Recently, scientific study has shed light on the physical and psychological benefits of hugging. Hugging actually releases oxytocin, which is a hormone in our brains associated with bonding and trust, reduces stress, promotes feelings of well-being. It can even re uh, reduce blood pressure. Feelings of loneliness go down and enhanced communication and better sleep are present. It's important to remember these benefits of hugging, especially during tough times, but they hugs vary from person to person. Some people like to keep their distance and aren't huggers, and that's okay. But you know, just so sometimes you you just want to ex extend a handshake or a fist bump or a tap on the shoulder, right? But when you get to know somebody and if if they are a hugger, perhaps a hug is just the thing. 
there are times when a hug is appropriate and it can make the difference. Our daughter is a sophomore at James Madison University, and one of the faculty members there, his name, her name is Marissa Zanes. She's in the health professions department, and once a semester, she comes to campus, stands out in one of the common areas, highly traveled by students, and uh, she gives out free mom hugs. I think I have a slide. There she is. I, rest, I read this in the most recent edition of the JMU student newspaper. She received special permission from her supervisor, and she's been doing this since 2021. Uh, Post-COVID, she sensed that the kids really needed a hug. Her hug, says one student named Lewis, was so motherly with all the care behind it that uh, I posted it on my social media and said, she gave such a good hug that it made my day better, and I knew of other people who needed a hug as well. She says, freshmen aren't the only ones who need a hug. Students of all ages miss their families. Another student said, I might be a senior, but I still miss my while Zane specialized in giving hugs, she's also there to talk to the students. And she says, but most of the time, all they need is a hug. I'll give a hug to anybody who needs it. I think Jesus was a hugger too. The prophet Isaiah paints this picture. This is from the newly revised Huguenot Road Baptist Church version, second edition. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently hugs those who have young hearts. Perhaps Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a big old bear hug. And as he washed his disciples' feet, I can imagine Jesus saying, not only love one another, but hug one another. As I have hugged you, you must hug one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you hug one another. However, that would look like. That we love each other and help each other 